right. Hi, welcome back to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series by series check-in for Chicago Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And while I'm told you can eventually find us at Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, there is apparently a bit of delay while that gets going. So in the meantime, we will be located at bleedcubbyblue.com. And we'll be sure to let you know as soon as you can subscribe through your podcast listening service of choice. Uh, once you can do that, be sure you subscribe for the most recent content. But in the meantime, listen to us on bleedcubbyblue.com. Andy, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you? I'm good. And I forgot to introduce myself. So we're already off to a rolling start. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write at bleedcubbyblue.com. And we are coming to you on Wednesday after a pretty exciting game last night at Wrigley Field. Uh, Andy, how's your Wednesday going? Um, it's good. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but I kind of have this permagrin on my face. I think it's a combination of what happened this past weekend and how the game ended last night. Yeah, I've had that permagrin too. It's a wonderful feeling. The first place Chicago Cubs uh, are just kind of killing it right now. And we're going to get into it. Uh, let's start with that Cubs Cardinals series and what we learned about this team. We already talked last time a little bit about Kyle Hendricks' outstanding performance with his 81 pitch Maddox to open the series. We can absolutely talk some more about that, though, because that will never get old. Let's look at how the Cubs swept the Cardinals right out of first place and now occupy the top spot in the NL Central. What went right for the Cubs, Andy? Oh, my goodness. Well, I did not. Um, I've missed very few Chicago Cubs games. I typically will watch on my phone or whatever device is available. But I was not in a place where I could watch the game on Saturday. And um, I went back and watched as much as I could just simply because I heard there was quite a few things that I would have found entertaining one of which we're going to go ahead and jump right into Taylor Davis's Grand Slam. Um, and if you are like me and you don't get the home broadcast of Chicago's Cubs baseball games, when they're playing the Cardinals, you get to listen to the announcers in St. Louis. I'm not <laughs> going to say any names, but it is pure torture. So, um, I found it rather humorous that they were applauding the choice of the Cardinals to um, go ahead and pitch to Taylor Davis with the bases loaded. And then we saw what happened. So um, that was, that went really right for them. That went very right for them. Um, I, I would, I would like to think that that went really wrong for the Cardinals too. So that, that, that was my big takeaway, and I will just – it's one of those things like when Tommy Pham was on first and John Lester was pitching. Oh, my pitching. gosh. Yes, I thought the that, same thing. I could, ne I could never stop watching that. Never, never, never. I will never stop watching that. It is just – it's the same amount of funny to me as it was when it happened. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it was wonderful to listen to them talk about what an outstanding decision it was to pitch to Taylor Davis instead of Kyle Schwarber. And Davis immediately made them pay for it. It was incredible. In fact, uh, some user on Reddit uh, took a took that clip and put it up. So we will tweet that out for our listeners so that you can enjoy that moment as well, where they basically just have to eat their words immediately. And when they do that, my, one of my favorite things about the Cardinals announcers is that they kind of just go radio silent for a minute. 
So, I was just going to say that. Like, it is the- dead <laughs> quiet because it's almost like they just don't even know what to say. <laughs> exactly. And so it's this wonderful thing because you get to hear the Wrigley Field crowd react to the moment for about five or six seconds while nothing is being said because the Cardinals announcers have no idea how to follow up that they've just been tremendously wrong and exactly what they predicted could not happen has just happened. Well, in um, in all fairness, I am just going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and say I would have never saw that coming. Never, never, never. Taylor Davis is hilarious to me. He has an amazing story. He's been through a lot. For him to be up in the bigs right now is life-changing for him, obviously. But I would have never guessed in a million years Taylor Davis would hit a home run off of Michael Waka with the bases loaded. I'm sorry. I just wouldn't have. I, I could have maybe thought he would knock in a couple RBIs. But a grand slam, I mean, no. No, it, it it was amazing. And to me, it, it shows us signs of that 2016 Chicago Cubs team coming back, back to life in 2019. I, I agree with that. And I will go even one step farther, which is that I've been pretty vocal on social media and on BCB about how the Cubs need a backup, a different backup catching scenario. Uh, I was real nervous when Victor Caratini got hurt about the number of innings Wilson Contreras was going to have to catch. I really like Taylor Davis. I'm glad he's getting a shot in the show. I do not think he is a long-term plan for the Chicago Cubs as backup catcher. He hasn't caught very many innings for precisely that reason. There have, In fact, there was a game that Taylor Davis started that Wilson Contreras wound up finishing, which I thought was a it was this game, actually. It was this game on Saturday. I thought that was a pretty good uh, indicator that in a close game, Joe Madden still wants his better bat in the lineup. And I, I like Taylor Davis. I love the staring competition thing that he does. I think it's hilarious. By all accounts, he is a great clubhouse organization guy, and I'm glad he's getting a shot. But I, I just think that the Cubs probably need another veteran catcher in in their uh in their organization somewhere to spell wilson Contreras, or or god forbid if you know wilson or victor caratini were to get hurt and miss a large number of innings sure and nobody will forget what he's done i mean obviously that was a huge lift at a time when they needed it nobody saw it coming it was amazing he definitely pulled through he's one of those guys that basically in his post game interview was like i just want to do whatever i can do to help this team i mean i'm paraphrasing obviously but i mean that's the kind of mentality he has he's always had you know in the minors in the majors whatever spring training he's always just one of those guys that you know is you get the gist that he's just an all-around good guy and he's just really there to work hard and do what he can do to contribute I'm sure he's not naive to the fact that he's not true big league talent in the sense of what the Cubs want for a backup catcher but this is his time to do what he can do in a spotlight that he may not get this chance a whole lot again so you know to make the most of it like that that's got to be a dream come true and that's going to be a moment he'll never forget and thank you to the dumb Cardinals fan that was um so drunk that he didn't realize he was throwing back a ball that actually could have gotten him a lot of parting gifts at Wrigley Field. 
I saw that too. I was like, you are a wonderful human being for throwing back Taylor Davis's first home run. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like, clearly he has no idea what he's doing right now, but that's okay. We'll take it anyways. Right. That was the, that's the kind of hate that I live for when your hate comes back to bite you. Um, right, right. So game two, actually, I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about that game on Saturday because the car, the Cubs really had no business winning that game. It just felt like the Cardinals were ahead yeah, the Taylor Davis moment that tied it, but it really didn't feel like things were coming together. And then all of a sudden, here comes Javi Baez to wreck John Brebbia's day and the bottom of the eighth with a solo home run. And it was like, wow, we're going to steal one here from the Cardinals that they really had control of for the first half of the game. Um, can I just go ahead and bring to notice right now that we have mentioned John Brebbia on this podcast two times already. The first time, you know, I said, insert the what, who um, line after his name, because a lot of Cubs fans probably don't even know who he is, but I'll remind you that John Brebbia was one that took it upon himself to call Chris Bryant, a loser. Um, and I don't know what his other choice words were. So I was extremely happy that we could ruin his day because you know what? You just, you don't need to take things like that personal. And when you do, who is actually playing with the chip on their shoulder on Saturday? Was it the Cardinals or was it the Cubs? I'm going to guess probably a little bit more. So the Cubs walked away with that one because, you know, in the end, when it's all said and done, I feel like round one goes to the Cubs. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. The Cubs went into this series with something to prove, and they definitely proved it. With that home run, by the way, Javi Baez, that was Javi Baez's 11th home run of the year. He became the first Cubs player with 11 doubles and 11 home runs uh, within the first 31 games, I believe, and literally the only Cubs player who has ever done that. And I, I find this incredible, but, you know, last year Javi Baez had – a breakout MVP caliber season. A lot of people thought that he was going to regress a little bit to his career norms. And it appears that he might be even better now, which is just amazing and still falling under the radar with uh, MVP, early MVP consideration because Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich are also doing incredible things. I don't know if you saw it, but MLB had a article out earlier this week looking at uh I don't I don't know exactly who they pull for this I'm going to guess it's a bunch of writers but they asked who the NL MVP should be and Javi Baez was in third behind Bellinger and Yelich and I'm not even saying that is wrong but I think it's kind of ridiculous that Javi just keeps turning up the notch a little bit on what he does and doing incredible things and he still can't crack the top of that voting I mean it in and, and to even Going into this series, the talk, and I can just give you some inside info here because obviously I live in St. Louis. I have personal friends that work at the ESPN radio station here in town. So I listen to what they have to say, especially because, you know, they have a lot of Chicago people on the station before the series. So it's always interesting, interesting to hear what those conversations are. But the talk was, and this is more on the St. Louis personality side, was comparing Paul DeYoung to Bias. That was the comparison. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I can't, I can't make this stuff up. I really can't. I promise you. So listen, he, Paul DeYoung is having a great season so far. Great. He's a season. lovely player. How many weeks in are we? Five? Yeah. Five weeks think, in? Yeah. Five. Maybe, almost almost six. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The season I'm sorry. started on March 28th, so that would require a little. I need a calendar, but yeah, that sounds about we, right. There may be people listening to this right now that are pulling up their Google machine and looking up who Paul DeYoung is. Seriously, Tommy totally. Bias has been doing this for a while now. Like, I'm sorry, but that's apples and oranges, baby. I I get it. I get it. He's having a great start of the season. You need something to hold on to because you haven't had a shortstop for a lot of years. We've been in a very similar situation. Trust me when I say this. Javi Baez is not a good shortstop. He is a good shortstop, but wait, let me get there. He is not a good shortstop. He is a good anywhere you put him player, period. I mean, he is one of the most dynamic players to watch, if not the most dynamic these days. He is just all around. Every part of his game is on another level. So to even put him in the same sentence with Paul DeYoung is like mind blowing to me. So I get it that he is behind a Yelich and a, and a Bellinger, but I, it won't stay that way. I promise you, if he keeps playing at this level, it's not going to stay that way. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, Javi Baez is a great player. Not, he's not a good player. He is a great player. I, I have two favorite quotes about Javi Baez. I'm going to share both of them right here because I don't know when I'm going to get a better chance. But one is that Javi Baez is your favorite player's favorite player. So it's not just that Javi Baez is an outstanding player, but baseball players appreciate the talent and energy that he brings to the field on a day in, day out basis. How, the other one was, however, in 2014, Baseball Prospectus did an article where they were talking about shortstops and up, upcoming talent and who was going to be the best shortstop uh, in this new class of players coming up. That was a great class, if you recall. And there was a scout who I believe was comparing uh, Carlos Correa, the shortstop for the Astros, and Javi Baez. And he said, look, both of them could be all-stars. They're both great. Javi Baez could be a religion. And I think that's what you're seeing in Chicago. If you watch Javi Baez play day in, day out, he is not just a great player. He's not just your favorite player's favorite player. He he is something wholly new, cranking this game up to a brand new level. And I'm here for it. It's one of my favorite things to watch. I love seeing the new and incredible things that Javi Baez is going to do every day. So let me ask you this, because this is this is a question that I've heard come up in a lot of different places, and I have a hard time answering this, but I want to know what you think personally. So between the big names on this team, and I'll let you decide who those are, I think we probably have a similar idea of who those are. Who is the best player on the Chicago Cubs today? I... See? I, I yes, got to know, what you, mean by, I I gotta know what you mean by best. I, I really, well, so, right. But so there's a lot of different ways you could measure this, right? You could look at it in terms of who is the player that has accumulated the most wins above replacement over a certain amount of time. I, I have to admit that I would sort of kind of default to that type of metric because I like statistics and metrics and that's sort of a way for me to quantify the game. You could look at it in terms of who's contributed the most or who is really the heart of the team. And I, I mean, if you're going heart of the team, I, I really have to say that's Anthony Rizzo. He is the player uh, for who, on whom this team is built. He was here for the bad years. He's been here for the great years. He is the heart and soul of the Cubs. And Theo, if you're listening, which I doubt you are, but just in case, you should definitely sign Anthony Rizzo to a long-term deal because he should finish his career with the Chicago Cubs. Um, 
you know, if you're looking at, but if you're looking at who right now is playing the best baseball and who has been playing the best baseball and taken this team to the next level, both in 2018 and for the start of 2019, it's got to be Javi Baez. So I tend to agree with that. That's which direction I go in. Um, Just for so many reasons, I feel like there's a lot of undervalued things that he does that people are, are, they're just not stats that are currently measured are stats that are even, there's no way to even measure them. For example, now this is, I feel bad saying this today because now yesterday he had kind of a rough day base running, but his base running is just it's, it's on another level. Like it is so natural and so aggressive, but at the same time, it's like, it's smart. And he thinks, I don't know, it's, it's hard to describe, but like having been somebody that runs bases and knows all the different things that you have to look at and think about when you're on the base pass for him to do what he does like that, just to me, that's a difference maker because you're not only you're creating better situations for your team every time you get on base, but you know, you're putting yourself in a position to give your teammate an RBI. You're putting yourself in a position, you know, you're, if you're aggressive, if you're reading the ball the right way, I mean, that stuff is just not something that you can teach. And to me, that's immeasurable. And that just, to me, puts him on another level. It, 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 and that's just one piece of it. You know, we're not even talking about his tags at second. I mean, that's a whole nother part. And you see people now, you see the younger kids in the game starting to try to model that after how Javi does it, because it's just, you know, it's extraordinary to watch. And like I said, it's not teachable. It's something that you just kind of have to know and have. And that to me just makes him so invaluable. And if we don't lock him down, I swear to everything, (laughs) I I don't even know what I'll do with myself if he's not in a Cubs uniform for a very long time. Well, I totally agree that the Cubs should be looking to sign a long-term extension with Javi Baez now. The I I also agree with you that his his baseball instincts are just off the charts. I think this is what Joe Madden talks about all the time. Javi has a natural ability to look at what is going on on a baseball field and immediately understand what the smartest play is and how to carry it off. Uh, he his tagging ability is something we I do not remember people talking about a baseball player's ability to tag before Javi Baez and then it became a thing because he just does it in such a way that it's it's natural but it's also just incredible I mean he steals outs with the way that he tags people on the base paths and part of that that I've always found really interesting so he's apparently naturally left-handed so his glove hand is his dominant hand he switched the way that he bats and fields in order to play middle infield. But I, I, I think that that contributes to it, but it's, it's more than that. It's just understanding the game and the fluidity of that motion in a way that people haven't even thought about. And now we talk about it. Right. Um, and so that is the thing about Javi Baez. I agree with you. The stats haven't really caught up to, there's no metric for you are the best tagger and the best slider and the guy who understands exactly which play to make at any given time. That's what makes him so fun. You never know exactly what Javi is going to do. It's always going to be exciting. So this brings me to my next issue. And I know you probably had other things that you wanted to bring up before then, but we're going to just go ahead and jump into this because this is a perfect segue. Sunday Night Baseball. Oh, yeah. Alex Rodriguez. And I know some people disagree with this, disagree with my take on this, but he 
again, paraphrasing, went so far to say that Javi Bias needs to be more boring. But he did Stop say, it. he Stop did. It. He said it in that way. He said Javi Bias needs to be more boring. Come he on, did elaborate a little bit. And I understand what he's trying to say. But, <laughs> well, he's trying to say that he needs to be less reckless. He needs to be less, but I don't see it as being reckless. I see it as having a very good instinct and he takes chances. He takes chances where people wouldn't take chances. And so far we've seen them pay off for him. I mean, so yeah. of course, when you see that result, you're going to keep doing it. Now, granted, it's not always going to, it's not going to be a hundred percent. I mean, he's going to have some, sometimes like yesterday when he tried to push a single into a double, um, well, the ball went off, off of the right fielder's glove. So very easily could have been a double, but he tried to push for that extra base and, and got tagged out. Now that was just a really good throw. Does it happen nine times out of 10? Probably not. But again, that's just Javi being Javi, but I understand what Alex Rodriguez was trying to say, but the way he said it was just wrong. Boring. You never want Javi bias to be boring ever, never, ever, never, never. He is playing baseball the way that we want the kids to play baseball these days. He is he is bringing back the excitement and the fun to it. Do not make the one player right now that people love watching more boring. I mean, 100%. this is a sport that this is a sport that needs all the help it can get. You know, I mean, I grew up with it, so I'm not going anywhere. I'm a lifer. But, you know, there's been a lot of different studies that have shown, you know, there's not nearly as many kids playing ball today as there was even five, 10 years ago. And so why would we want to make somebody that brings that excitement and that enjoyment back to the game who kids can look up to, who kids want to play like, who kids are trying to learn different things to be like, why would we want to make him more boring? Like that is not, that is not ESPN, the Disney channel, you know, Disney owns ESPN. ESPN was probably shaking their heads at him while he was saying this, like, shut up. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> and we don't want him to be boring. Like, he is the Disney of Major League Baseball, you know? Yeah, like, I, I can't get, I, come on, A-Rod, you, go home. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I'm i really glad I was, so I'm glad I was watching the Sunday night baseball game at Wrigley Field for any number of reasons. Wrigley Field is my favorite place. It's pretty much perfect. However, I think that if I had been sitting on my couch and heard Alex Rodriguez say that Javi Baez should be more boring, I might have broken my television set. So I'm really glad I was at Wrigley Field because it saved me having to buy a new television set. That is that is crazy talk from Alex Rodriguez. Uh, the, the last thing that baseball or anybody needs is Javi Baez to change anything. I would like Javi Baez to keep being and doing exactly what he does, which is making the game fun and making it awesome every single day. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I just, I can't even imagine what it would be like. I, I love our team. I love all the guys on the team for different reasons. They all obviously have very different personalities, but Javi Baez just brings the flair, you know? Yeah. He is, he, he's like, I don't want to change the channel at commercials when I'm able to watch on TV because you just never know. Like if they come back and something happens, it's probably because of hobby. You know what I mean? Like you did. He's, right. he's the reason why I watch commercials during games. Well, <laughs> Thanks, <Javi. and> you <laughs> know, so let's talk about Sunday night. It was a totally different game than Saturday. It really never looked like the Cardinals had a chance in this game, even though they came close in the sixth Wilson Contreras, who was my favorite player and another player who I think really plays with a lot of heart and flair started it off with a bang with a home run and the Cubs really never looked back. 
Um, and even when the Cardinals threatened, the Cubs came right back and just kept pouring on runs until uh, Chris Bryant put an exclamation point on it with a grand slam of his own. And I do not remember the last time that the Cubs had grand slams in back-to-back games. I mean, again, like I said, Saturday, you know, when you have someone like Taylor Davis hitting a grand slam to tie up the game against St. Louis in Chicago, and then you get Chris Bryant hitting a grand slam on Sunday night baseball, it's like, you kind of feel like the magic is back. Oh, the magic is totally back with this well but and you know for how we were made to feel the first 10 days of the season like I just kind of want to pinch myself like is this the same team like is this who I get to cheer for are we going to play like this for you know a sustainable amount of time like this is amazing two days in a row it's obviously the same team and it was always the same team I did a lot of trying to talk people off the ledge in that first 10 games games, games of the season. And I know that it didn't feel good to start the season two and seven. I didn't like watching a lot of those games either. I couldn't figure out what had happened to the defense and what was going on with the pitching. But 10 games in baseball is a very small sample size, and you can't draw a lot of conclusions from it. In fact, speaking of the early part of the season, I want to go back to Chris Bryant for a second because I really love what Chris Bryant is doing right now. Uh, as early as, or as recently as last week, I had people uh, on Twitter telling me that we should trade Chris Bryant, that he wasn't doing very well. Where did his power go? Yada, yada, yada. And I just think all of those people look a little bit silly right now. He looks completely locked in. So in the last 10 games, including last night's victory over the Marlins, Chris Bryant has five home runs, 15 RBIs. And here is my favorite part of what Chris Bryan is doing right now. He's slashing 289, 417, 816 with a BABIB of 231, which basically means his hits aren't all falling. 231 means he's getting a bit unlucky right now. And he is still opsing over 1,200. So Chris Bryant is exactly who we all thought he was. And he is on, in the middle of a comeback season, which is going to be great. And if you were one of the people who doubted or thought that Chris Bryant had gone somewhere or maybe this wasn't all he was cracked up to be and the MVP was gone, I really suggest that you take some time to reconsider that and get jump back on the Chris Bryant train because it appears that he is locked in. I mean, the home run that he hit Monday night out uh, that didn't quite do enough to bring the Cubs all the way back against the Marlins, and we'll talk about that game in a minute, went on to Waveland. I mean, it bounced on the concourse and went on to Waveland. So I think Chris Bryant is locked in. I mean, I was like, typically I, if I'm watching this game on a TV in my home, I use the MLB app and watch it on my, um, any one of my TVs in my house or I'm watching on my phone, whatever. I am screaming, I'm cheering, I'm reacting out loud. Chris Bryant hit that home run and my jaw hit the ground. I was like, oh my good Lord. That ball didn't even do anything to you, Chris. Why are you so mad at it? <laughs> like that thing, that thing was launched and it was yeah. beautiful. It was, oh, it was so beautiful. And it was kind of like, I mean, obviously on Sunday, you kind of felt like you could exhale, like he could exhale, you know, like, yes, 
this is finally who I am. This is finally, I'm able to show everybody I'm back. Maybe people will stop talking, but you know what? I think I really exhaled and really did a, thank God it's Chris Bryant. It's him. He's back. He might even be better than the, you know, 2016, 2015 Chris Bryant. When he hit that ball on Monday night and that thing was just absolutely demolished, the sound of it, and I was watching it on TV, the sound of it was just, that's when I exhaled. That's when I was like, yes, thank you. He's back. Now everyone can shut up. And go ahead and find some some salt and pepper and get that crow eaten because you need to eat it. You people, I I know who you are. I have receipts. <laughs> All you people that said Chris Bryant, you know he's done for. You know he's injured. He's got blah 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 blah. Whatever you're saying, I have all the receipts. I took a lot of screenshots over a lot of days. So I hope y'all are ready to just go ahead and say you were wrong. And we love Chris Bryant. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about KB and his power surge after the break, but let's take a quick break for some sponsors. And we're bre- and we're back. So the winning streak ended on Monday night. We're going to talk about that game and its disappointment in a second, but I want to continue talking a little bit about Chris Bryant, who was really on fire. He has homered in his last three games, and these were not cheap home runs uh the we are we talked a lot about the home run monday night which landed on waveland you know the home run on tuesday night however was a walk-off blast for the ages andy did you get a chance to see i was at wrigley field i was in the left field bleachers when that ball was hit where were you watching did you get a chance to see the game last night So, okay, I love it when she says this because I'm so happy that she gets to go to as many games as she does, but it's like just twisting the knife when you say that. It's okay. It's okay. Trust me, if I lived anywhere closer than I do now, I would be at a lot more games. But yeah, so lucky Sarah was there, blah, blah, blah. She got to see the game, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I was watching it on my phone on my couch next to my husband who was watching playoff hockey. But the second it was hit, I was like, yeah, this game is over. But then like, you know, I'm one of those people that I like to analyze every little bit of everything and seeing that man smile and put his arm up when he was rounding the bases. That was probably the biggest thing for me out of all of that, because just simply because we don't see a ton of emotion from Chris Bryant. You don't typically, he's one of those kind of, he's got a really good poker face and we've seen some frustration at directed at umpires lately because he has gotten some really horrible strike zones, but to see his emotion and a smile like that on his face to outwardly celebrate like that was just so refreshing. And it was like, I really feel like he's, he's, he's coming all the way full circle. Now he's, he's ready to go. This is, he's locked in. This is who we're going to have now. This is our, this is our Chris Bryant. So it was good and it, it was happy. And you could just tell that his teammates were like, thank you. You know, we're, we know what you've been through. We know the struggles. So we're just as happy for you as you are. And it was just, it was a really good moment for him. And, and wow, you know, what, a, what an exciting way to win a ball game. Granted, it was the Marlins, but still, I'll take it. Yeah, I, Chris, it was a great moment for KB. It's been a while since he's really had a celebratory home run like that. He's had to put up with the haters all last year, dealing with his injury and dealing with 
his power outage. And I feel I feel like it was a really nice exclamation point as he's been building a nice little run really since the last um, since that series with the Diamondbacks. So we really want to congratulate Chris Bryant on having an awesome series here a few series here recently, and I'm sure there are more walk-offs and home runs to come for KB. Uh, We do have a couple of things to talk about that weren't quite as cool as Chris Bryant hitting walk-off home runs with this Marlins series. Monday night, the win streak came to an end for the Cubs. Andy, what went wrong Monday night at Wrigley for the Cubs? Well, I kind of feel like our bullpen was due, you know, I mean, you just kind of always feel like the the way that they had been pitching, it, it just wasn't going to last forever. And it was just one of those things that, um, you know, it was great to see, um, Carl Edwards Jr. Have a nice little, um, showing there. He, uh, came out and pitched the inning and, and did well, did well. Um, but then we just kind of, we kind of. Brock came in. Sorry, Brock came in. I forgot that he was in too. Stroke just didn't have it. Um, he did not. It was, yeah, it was rough. It was rough for him. Um, but again, he's been so good and he's been so good for a long time, you know, and we've come to expect that he is just automatic when he comes in and he had a bad night. You know, we're all allowed to have those. Um it stunk because it was obviously a very winnable game and a great start for Hamels and definitely one that you don't want to see him, you know, get a no decision on. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we just came off the high of sweeping the the Cardinals at home. So there was a lot already being talked about as far as are the guys going to be flat? Are they going to be tired? Is it, you know, we're not going to see that same, you know, intensity that we saw over the weekend and it wasn't that at all it just ended up being that you know our closer or quote-unquote closer stroke just had a bad night and I mean that's basically what it boils down to and I feel like giving up five runs to um or six runs to the Miami Marlins is far too many if you ask me yeah I agree I mean stroke had a bad night he walked a bunch of guys and it came back to bite him you cannot do that against any team, even a team that's struggling as much as the Marlins is. Uh, I, My friend Clint will appreciate your shout out there to quote unquote closer. I think Strope is a closer. I think that he's got some great runs ahead of him as the closer for the Chicago Cubs while we wait for Brandon Morrow to be back. But I, even I have to admit that he looked pretty bad Monday night and the Cubs were not able to win a very winnable ball game, which sort of made the KB blast in the bottom of the ninth bittersweet because it was really like that should have been a blast to tie it. It shouldn't have been a blast to chip away at a lead. But, you know, we gave it away in the ninth. What are you going to do? The Cubs did not have the ability to hold on to that lead in the ninth inning, and uh, they lost a game. Uh, They'll have to start a new winning streak, which they attempted to do on Tuesday. So Tuesday's game was – You know, much better from the Cubs' perspective, although it was a 2-2 tie going into the ninth inning. Um, There were a lot of strikeouts in last night's game. I just looked at my scorecard here, and I think I count 24 total. I could be off slightly because it was a a real quick count. But both teams were striking out a ton uh, last night at Wrigley Field. Um, And it was a cold, cold, 
cold, drizzly night in Chicago in early May. So I was glad KB could end that in the ninth when he did. Well, I can just go ahead and verify because I have the box score in front of me from the MLB app. And um, not only is she smart and talks well, but boys and girls, she keeps a great scorecard. It was 24 strikeouts, 12 for each team. So that is a lot of strikeouts in one game. That is a lot of strikeouts. Um, Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of felt like one of those games where, you know, you felt like whoever, whoever, had a mental lapse first, you know, was going to be the one to eventually crumble. And you just didn't know which direction we were going to go in. It didn't really feel like any which way, like nobody was going to break out. Um, Castro, Starling Castro, the the former Cub, um, broke out of his 0 for 29 slump last night, which, you know what, I am um, not, I, I always loved Starling Castro. Oh, yeah. So it was yeah, it was nice to see him uh, at Wrigley Field again. So that was that was uh, that was okay to see, I guess. Especially because you know that he's still friends with a lot of the guys that he played with. So, oh, totally. I, I'm I'm happy to see Starlin doing good things. I'm even happier that they're not coming at the expense of Cubs victories after Tuesday night's win. The Cubs are back in first place because while the Brewers were able to beat the Nationals yesterday. The uh, Cardinals were losing to the Phillies, which was pretty fantastic. So the Cubs hold a half a game lead in the division, which is outstanding. Uh, What do we think is going to happen here for the rest of the series? We've got two more games against the Marlins. It looks like tonight we have Kyle Hendricks facing Jose Arena. Um, And then Thursday's day game is going to be Trevor Richards and Hugh Darvish. What do you think about these matchups, Andy? Um, you know, I, I like who we have going. I really am curious to see how Kyle Hendricks responds to his amazing start on Friday. That'll be curious to me. I really think that he's going to use that as momentum and we'll see, you know, probably not the same, um, level of Kyle Hendricks that we got on Friday, but I gear, I can pretty much bet that we're going to get a quality start out of him. You Darvish, he needs to bounce back in a big way. He needs to have a solid outing. I think at Wrigley during the day, you know, I think we're going to see a good you Darvish. Um, you know, as far as lineups, it'll be interesting to see who we go with, especially because Thursday's a getaway game, but they are expecting weather. So that could either end up being postponed or, um, pushing back to a night game, depending on how they, they look at the schedule and decide how they want to do that. So it'll be interesting to see which direction we go there. It might even end up not being Darvish throwing that game if he warms up and they have to push it. So we'll see. I'll be curious to see how Mother Nature plays into these next two. Yeah, I'll be looking at the weather closely as well. I'm also interested to see how Kyle Hendricks bounces back here. I really just want to see the Cubs finish up strong against the Marlins. The Cubs have the best run differential in the National League right now. Only the Rays are ahead of the Cubs. The Marlins are the worst team in Major League Baseball by run differential, so it would be great if the Cubs could win three out of four here with the Brewers coming into town on Friday. And now you know what Andy and I will both be looking for as the as we get started with that series, which, you know, Cubs-Brewers series the last couple of years have always been interesting. Um, as always, you can follow us on at Cuppa Cubby Blue on Twitter. 
you can find us at bleedcubbyblue.com. We're going to have a poll up on Twitter later this uh, afternoon that we'd love to get your thoughts on. We want to know who the standout performer from the Cardinals series was. Was it Kyle Hendricks, 81 Pitch Maddox? Was it Taylor Davis with his first home run for a Grand Slam to help win game two on Saturday? Or was it Chris Bryant with his Grand Slam to put a stake in the heart of St. Louis on Sunday night baseball uh, on Sunday? So let us know your thoughts there. Find us and follow us on Twitter. And Andy, do you have any parting thoughts before we wrap up episode number two? Uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm really excited about the sweep. You know, I definitely didn't see that coming, but uh, again, a very welcome series. I'll take it. I hope we can just kind of ride that momentum and keep playing some really good baseball. And I think this is the team that we are. I mean, I think, I think this is who we'll see. Um, obviously, you know, it's a long season, so, so there'll, there'll definitely be some valleys, but I think for the most part, this is, this is the Cubs at their finest right now. I think so too. It's been some fun baseball at Wrigley Field. I hope it continues through the weekend and Andy and I will be back with a look at the Brewers series on Friday. So we hope you will check in then have a great night y'all or day whenever you're listening to this and we look forward to chatting with you soon. Bye.